Well, good morning, church. Welcome to part two of our series titled Prayer. I know, don't get too excited. Don't get too excited. Uh, I, 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 I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to bring it this morning. Uh, when don't I? But, um, you know, I was reminded of a quote by John Wesley. I'm going to get his words messed up, and I'm sorry. But it's Lord set me on fire and may, may people watch me burn. In other words, I have passion for this message this morning. And I hope you will have maybe a glimpse of my passion. I hope you have greater passion than what I'm going to bring to you this morning. This is part two of our teaching series, Prayer, Knowing and Experiencing God. And you said, go, Ryan, why are you doing a series on prayer? I think for the last 18, 12 to 18 months, I've heard more people sit there and tell me, I don't know if I'm praying right. I don't know how to start even praying. And so what I want to do in this series is give us some excitement on the greatness of what prayer is, and then we're going to get very practical throughout these weeks about what, how do you pray? Is there a right way, a wrong way? Where do you start in prayer? And I'm going to give you a lot of examples, and I, I'll, I'll bring my own example of my own prayer life, and you're going to hear from other pastors as well. But I'm excited about prayer. And here's why, as we launched last week, because prayer, God has chosen to make prayer the path to his presence, his power, and his purpose. His presence, his power, and purpose. It, prayer is that communication. It's the lifeline to our creator. I, I got done studying this week. I came into the office pretty fired up, and I told Pastor Josh, like, oh, this is a this, is, this thought blew my mind, what I'm going to share with you this morning. And I know it's going to be very simple, like extremely simple. You may sit back and go, well, duh, Ryan. <laughs> but it is so profound if you allow Holy Spirit to speak into your heart this incredible truth about prayer. This incredible truth. I want this series to, um, I think God is inviting us to some things. I want this series to be a series of, that revives our prayer life. I'm not going to make you raise your hand and embarrass you, yourself this morning, but maybe for some of us we would literally say, I don't have a prayer life, yet I consider myself a follower of Jesus. Yet I consider myself a disciple, but I don't even know where to begin. I don't even, I, I know, I, I want to be like one of those people that prays. That like prays all the time, like you, Pastor Ryan. I don't pray all the time. If I'm honest, prayer is probably my worst spiritual discipline. But the Lord has been showing me something great these last 12 months about my prayer life and how awesome prayer actually is. And I'm getting it fired up on prayer. Whew. May this be a revival for us, friends. You need it. You need his presence in your life, his power, and you need to know what in the world is my purpose. Hey, instead of going around and trying things, how about we humble ourselves, get on our knees, and say, God, reveal things. Whew, okay, I'm preaching. Are you guys ready? Okay, I got to get on track, though. I'm fired up. I told you. Listen, I got a colonoscopy tomorrow. I have no food. <laughs> I got a lot of caffeine because that's all I can take right now. I'm just drinking coffee right now, right? There's no food to absorb and help get it. It is just all caffeine right now. So you were, just deal with me for the next 30 minutes, okay? Sorry, next week I'll be much better in the weeks to follow. Just don't eat around me. 
colonoscopy, sorry, side note, colonoscopies aren't bad. You're knocked out. You don't even know what's going on. It's the prep that stinks, right? I can't, I, I, I hate when I'm around my family the day before and you're prepping and you can't have anything to eat and they're eating in front of you. I'm like, get away from me, Satan. This is awful. Get behind me. No food this morning. Here's the question. What's so great about prayer? What's so great? Why do I, as your pastor, get excited about prayer? Two words. Access. Let me hear you say access and fullness. One more time. Access, fullness. Yeah. Because of access and fullness. We're going to unpack these two here this morning. What is so great about prayer? Access and fullness. Let's go into conversation number one. What is so great about prayer? It's access. Get this. This blew my mind this week. You have access to God. I should just leave this on the screen and walk off stage and let Holy Spirit just speak to you in silence right now about this right here. You have access to almighty God. That should blow our minds away. That you and I have access to the almighty, the creator of the universe. You and I have access to him as followers of Jesus. I know it sounds so simple, but we have access to our heavenly father. That is, that is incredible. I just want to walk off stage right now. This is incredible. I pray, Holy Spirit, would allow that to marinate in your heart and your mind to help you understand you have access to Almighty God. It is incredible. But how is that even possible? Well, back in the Old Testament, you had a priest that would be of their representation for the nation. You couldn't come to God. The priest did on your behalf. And then the priest, once a year, to forgive all of your sins would make a sacrifice of a spotless lamb once a year. He would go into the place of what's known as the Holy of Holies in the temple or the tabernacle, depending on when we're reading in the Old Testament. And he would sacrifice and take that spotless lamb and sacrifice it for all of you for the forgiveness of sins because you didn't have access to God. God lived there. Everyone else was over here. God lived his presence on earth and what's known as the Holy of Holies. That's where he was. So the priest got to pray, got to commune, got to fellowship and talk with God, not you. Then Jesus came. How many of you know when Jesus comes, everything changes? Then Jesus came. Jesus, fully God and fully human, help usher in God's kingdom, gave you a glimpse of what the kingdom of heaven is like on earth. And in the midst of it, the religious people mocked him, arrested him, mocked him, beat him, spit upon him, tried him unfairly, crucified him on a cross. And Matthew records the last moments of Jesus on the cross in the New Testament. Matthew says this, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Jesus' last breath is gonna be so humanity can take their first real breath. 
Don't get, don't pass this next sentence. At that moment, the what, friends? The curtain of the temple was what? Torn into from top to bottom. From top to bottom. Don't quickly move past this sentence. Because this is not about some mama who's mad that their curtain got ripped at the house. And they got to sew a new one. We have to jump into the biblical context here to truly understand the power that you and I have, the access to our heavenly father. This was a temple at the time of Jesus. You go to the Israel Museum, downtown Jerusalem, they have this entire ancient model. I mean, it's huge. It's probably the size of this room of the ancient city during the time of Jesus. This was the temple that you read about when Jesus went to the temple or things like that. That's this temple. Now, here's what was happening and transpiring at the time of Jesus. There were certain areas you could only go to. They restricted you to certain degrees to the closeness of God. They believed right here in the temple, this was the holy place, but in the back part of that was, a, was known as the holy of holies, where God's presence dwelt. Here's an example. Do you know who could go out on these courts here? Only the, gen the Gentiles. That's as close as Gentiles could get to God. They restricted you. Do you know who could come right here? Women, that's as close as you can get. There's the court of women right there. That is as close as you could get to God. Inside was the court of Israel or the court of men. Men, you can get a little closer to God. Only priests could go into the holy place, which is, here's a close-up. Only priests could go in and then the high priest could go into the holy of holies where the presence of God dwell and do that sacrifice one, once a year to forgive all of you. But there was only certain degrees of access you could actually get or certain degrees of closeness to God's presence. Only one was allowed to get into the presence of God, the high priest. There was a curtain, or maybe some of your translations say a veil, that came down, that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. So the high priest would have to open the curtain or the veil to go into the presence of God. So now that we understand that, you jump back into the verse and understand that at the moment when Jesus cried out and took his last breath, that curtain that separated all of humanity from the presence of God, that curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. In other words, the access of who God was, the presence, wasn't limited to this space anymore. The presence of God went everywhere now. Because of one person, Jesus Christ, you have access to God now. It's not just the high priest anymore. It's you and it's I. This is why we don't need the temple anymore. You hear this, watch this. This is all throughout the New Testament. So you have those first four guys in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those first four guys are known as the gospel writers. They write about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. From Acts all the way to the book of Revelation. Those are letters to churches, first-time Christians to help understand what does a life following Jesus look like? And a couple pastor letters in there to try to figure out what does life look like following after Jesus. And Paul started the church in Corinth, writes to those Christians, and this is what he says about this idea. Watch this. Do you not know that you are God's what, friends? You 
are God's temple now. And that God's spirit dwells in you. He's writing to Christians saying, don't you understand that? The temple existed in the Holy of Holies. That curtain was torn once Jesus died. The presence of God now is all on you. You are God's temple now. That's where his spirit dwells. It's you. It's not in that one location anymore. He writes to the church in Ephesus. For through him, Jesus, we both have what, friends? Access to the Father by one spirit. You have access to God now because of Jesus. I love what the Passion Translation says about this verse. It says, and now because we are united to Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are united to Jesus Christ. You're his. We both, because of that, have equal and direct access to the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. This is profound, friends. You have access to God. You now have access to God, and it isn't done there. <laughs> to continue in Ephesians, read this. According to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him... Jesus, and through faith in him, Jesus, so because of Jesus and through your faith in Jesus, we may approach God with freedom and confidence now. Be why? Because you have access to God now. Are we getting this? Am I the only one excited about this? Okay, get here, I'll help you understand. My, my friend, um, oh, forgive him, but he went to a country concert it was Garth Brooks. Any Garth Brooks fans? Oh, jeez, forgive you too. I, I, I literally know no song by Garth Brooks. I do not. It's a good thing. It's the mark of a, a maturing Christian. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Is it hot in here or is it just me right now? Uh, and so he went, he was giving his brother-in-law actually the, um, the tickets. His brother-in-law's like his huge Garth Brooks fan. So they were way up in the nosebleeds, like way up. And it was in um, Atlanta where the Atlanta Falcons play football. I forgot what that stadium's called. It was, it was hosted there. And so he's there with his brother-in-law and his sister and like, hey, these are great. But they realize they were so far away from center stage. Maybe some of you have been there at a concert before. Like you're in the nosebleeds. You're like, I'm just glad I'm here. Even though I can't see who they are. And they're like little miniature figures. Like at least I'm here. Well, he decided, you know what? This is for my brother-in-law. I'm going to get us better. So they started walking around and they found where the elevators were. And there was a lady there. And so he was beginning to talk to the lady and it was like, hey, this is my brother-in-law's like birthday. Can we, is there, can you get us a little closer? And she says, closer? Oh, sweetie, I can do better than that. He says, let me go check. And she calls up someone and they says, okay, it's empty. She says, follow me. They get to a special elevator. She types in a special code. Up they go and guess where they're at? They are at the owner's suite of the Atlanta Falcons Stadium now. The owner, who is Arthur Blank, wasn't there for that concert. 
but had his suite, the owner's suite, fully stocked with everything. And she says, Mr. Arthur is not here today. Enjoy the owner's suite. He went from the nosebleeds to the owner's suite. And you and I, as followers of Jesus, are in the owner's suite. Access to God Almighty. Some of us stop living in the nosebleeds. You have access to your heavenly father. And I say this, take ownership of your access to God. Take ownership. Take things back that you, have, you thought were lost forever. Take it back in the name of Jesus. You have access to almighty God. That's what is so exciting. So exciting, I, I went to Pastor Josh and said, dude, we have access to God. He was probably like, well, duh. I was like, no. Everything who God is, you and I have access to. And he freely gives. May you and I start taking ownership of that access. You start taking ownership. Listen, I guarantee you, your life will change. You can't walk away meeting God not changed. Your life will change. Your, your relationships will change. The way you handle certain things in your life will change. You have access to God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have access. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you have access. May we take a hold of God. You have access. Think about that. Here's the, here's the other thing. What's so great? What's so exciting about prayer? We got access to God. How incredible is that? And fullness. In fullness. Now this is what I also got excited about. I didn't tell Pastor Josh this one. This one came later in the week. Turn, if, you're, if you got your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter three. Ephesians was a, was a really rough city in the ancient world. It was the fourth largest city at the time of Jesus. Massive city. Pagan temples everywhere in the, in, in the city of Ephesus. Pagan temples, the temple that worshipped a pagan goddess that in order to worship this goddess, you had to perform certain sexual acts in order to bring worship to this pagan goddess. It was an awful, awful city to try to learn what it was like to follow the ways of Jesus early on. And Paul is writing to that church, reminding them of something. And not only is he reminding him of, great, of the church, of great truths, he has a prayer for them. And this is my prayer for all of us as we jump into this idea of our prayer series. It reads this way. For this reason, this is Paul speaking to the Christians. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I notice the posture of Paul. I kneel before the Father. Maybe for some of us, the way that we're going to encounter more of who God is, is we're going to start changing our posture a little bit. In order to have the presence of God, we got to pursue the preeminence of God. And sometimes that is kneeling during our prayer time and saying, God, you are greater, you are above all things. What is over my head is under your feet. God, you are good. And that's how Paul starts his prayer to the church. I kneel. It's a posture of worship. I kneel before the Father. And then he says this as I kneel. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with what, friends? 
of power. Dunamis, dynamite. I pray as I kneel that you Christians would be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being. He's praying that the Holy Spirit would bring power to you and I right here, right here. Why? I love that Paul leaves this so that. There's a reason why you need power right here in your life. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Do you see what he's doing here? God needs to do a work within you in order for Christ to dwell or have the indwelling presence of God on you. God needs to do some things inside of you in order that we can truly represent Jesus here on earth. There is a work to do that the Holy Spirit needs to do in you to give you the power to do some things inside of you so Jesus may dwell in you. Let me give you an example of this. Anyone had to sell a house before here? Selling a house? First of all, let's say that anyone move? Anyone had to move? Moving's awful, right? The whole packing of everything, it's just an awful, awful thing. Thank God you can get that paid. If you got the money, pay it and get out and be like, you deal with it, not me, right? Moving's awful. I don't like moving. But sometimes when you move and you go to sell your house, and you take everything out or the real estate agent comes in and says, you know what, you know what we have to do? We have to stage the house for the buyers that are gonna come. And maybe you're like me. I, I, I mean, there were times where I would, maybe you'd get frustrated and be like, stage the house? Look at my beautiful furniture. My house is staged. I got my couch, I got my chairs, I got my TV, Right? And the real estate agent comes in and says, no, we're going to remove all this and stage it for the buyer. Why? Because real estate agents aren't concerned with the person who's occupying the house right now. They're concerned and more overly concerned with who's coming into the house. But it's staged. I mean, look, I got Aunt Bessie's couch. You love Aunt Messy, and you're like, she gave me, I've had it for 25 years. It's still got the plastic on it, <laughs> right? What do you mean stage the house? The thing is beautiful. Look at this, I got red and pink and pink walls like Pepto-Bismol threw up in here. <laughs> stage the house, it is staged. You're like, no, 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 no. You're so concerned about what you already have, I gotta prep this. And I'm over-concerned about the one who's coming into your house. You got stuff in your house right now that doesn't match the person that's coming into your house. You got a couch that's screaming Aunt Bessie from 25 years ago and a chair that's screaming I'm modern and contemporary. You walk out of that living room and the couch and chair are arguing and they're going, you're in the wrong century. You got wrong. You got patterns that don't match. You got all that. And you think this is all good? No, 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 no. Listen, listen. The one who's coming is better. Why do you got to change what's going on on the inside? Because the person that's coming into dwell within you must see themselves there. Holy Spirit must prepare you in order for Jesus to dwell in you. 
Because you got some things in your life that are mismatchy. That anger you have, whoo, that doesn't go with the fruits of the spirit of patience. Jesus is going to come and bring. That self-righteous, that, that ugly couch, that self-righteous, that, oh man, I know you sit in it and you say, ooh, it's got all those rolls and it fits my cheeks nice, like, <laughs> no. That self-righteous doesn't match the character of Jesus who brings holiness. That doesn't match the one who's coming. That porn addiction does not match the intimacy and love that Jesus brings to every relationship. That gossip, you talk, man, you are mean. You're mean. You're that lady and you're that man at work when they have orientation and they're taking the new one, they're like, yeah, that's the mean one, stay away from that one. You're just mean and nasty. You gossip. That does not match the fruits of the spirit that need to dwell within you. There's gotta be some cleaning up that has to happen. And maybe for some of us, you got to look at your design, what's going on inside of you, and sit there and go, but I've always liked Aunt Bessie's, Aunt Bessie's couch. That's just, that's all I've known. But God, i got to surrender that to you. Because my heart has got to match your heart who's coming in. My mind must match the one who's coming in. You gotta surrender your design. Well, Ryan, that's just who I am. That's, that, that design is just, I've always been that way. First of, you, first of all, you don't get to define you. You didn't create you, God created you. Jesus gets to say who you are. Get rid of the couch if he says get rid of the couch. My prayer is that your heart would match the one who's gonna dwell, and it's Jesus we can't look, live like Jesus and share his love if we don't allow Holy Spirit to come and strengthen our inner being with power to match the one who saved you. And who is Paul praying to? Christians. He ain't praying to the lost. This isn't a prayer in a letter to the lost world. This is a prayer to the church. You got some design. You got some prep work still to do so Jesus can dwell to look like him. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through the spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through what, friends? Oh, you gotta have faith. I pray that your faith would increase. The letter continues. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. If you are here this morning carrying shame and guilt, saying, I am unlovable, no, your heavenly Father loves you tremendously. You may feel like no one on earth loves you, but you have a heavenly Father who deeply loves you. And Paul's prayer to the Christians, the church, be rooted and established in his love that you may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp. May you have power to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses all knowledge. And here it is, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Whoo! You're telling me that we can be filled 
to the, all, to the measure of all the fullness of God. Not only do we have access to our creator, not only do we have access to the almighty God, you and I can be filled with the fullness of who God is. That should blow your mind. I hope you leave today more excited about prayer than ever. Prayer will change things. When my grandmother was passing away in February, my, I kept texting my grandpa saying, hey, I'm praying, I'm praying. And, he, and this is all he, all he said back, prayer works. Call him Papa. Papa, I'm praying. I'm praying during this time that you would feel God's peace. Ryan, prayer works. Oh, I know prayer works. I've seen it move. I know prayer works because I wasn't able to attend first Wednesday, this past Wednesday, but I heard about it. God was moving. God was moving. Prayer works. You and I, listen, being filled with the fullness of God begins in prayer. You need the fullness of, of God in your life. Because the fullness of God brings wholeness, which brings peace, shalom in your life, which brings everything into right. He restores everything that is broken in the world. If your marriage and relationship is broken, how about start praying, God, fill me with the fullness of who you are. And don't just pray that alone. Grab your spouse's hand and go before the throne of God praying that. God, I, I, my mouth is just, it's just all, I got to stop thinking negative things. I need to kneel before the Father and ask, Father, fill me with your fullness because what is coming out of my mouth is not of you. See, here's, here's please lean in really quick and I, I'm wrapping up, I promise. We want the privileges of God without the bother. As long as my life stays the way I like it, just don't bother me, God, but I really want all this blessing. Praying will always cost you something. And something that prayer costs you is your time. But it's not your time anyways. It's the one who granted you time. It's perspective. It's his time, not your time anyways. Remember how this whole entire prayer started? With the words of Paul to the Christian church, I, what friends? I pray. It starts there. I pray. What is so good and great and awesome and thrilling about prayer, you have access to God and you can be filled with his fullness. But it's gonna start a lifestyle of prayer for you. And this series, we're gonna dive into some lifestyles of prayer, some postures of prayer. What other things to combine with prayer, like fasting? What are some, how do I start praying to begin with, but walk away amazed that almighty God has given you access to him? That's awesome. And that no matter what you're facing in life, you can be filled with the fullness of God to face those battles. I close with the last two verses that Paul writes. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, let that sit. God is able to do way more than what you're asking right now of him. And way more than your imagination. I pray that we all would have an incredible holy imagination of our creator. What he can do in you and through you.
immeasurably more. But listen, you can have access to that through prayer. According to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So what's so great about prayer? Access and fullness. They're there for us. But notice throughout the entire prayer, Paul mentioned this idea of this dwelling of Jesus in us. None of it was possible without him. Nothing was impossible. Nothing is impossible with Jesus. The one that gave you access. The one who will come in and dwell so that you can experience the fullness of who God is. May we be a church that speaks the name of Jesus in our own lives, in our family's lives. Speak the name of Jesus at your school. Speak the name of Jesus at work. Speak the name of Jesus in your home and in your community over the neighborhoods. Because with Jesus, everything changes. Everything. So I'm going to invite you to stand as we close with this last song. It's called I Speak Jesus. I Speak Jesus. Thank you. May this song not only be a song of worship, but may this song be our prayer as we leave this room this morning. That we speak the name of Jesus. Because with Jesus, everything changes.